space. The final frontier. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Yeah, space, the final frontier, and we're getting a better view of it than we ever, ever have before. And you know what? It's dazzling. It's mind-boggling. It's beautiful. It's glorious. But I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> we're told what it is. It was funny. I was watching uh, William Shatner, some clips from him. Uh, he was on, I think it was Anderson Cooper, and the, both of them were saying, you know what? It's amazing. It's incredible. I don't really know what it is. Uh, so we're going to try and get some insight into why these pictures were chosen, why they were shown to us as some of the first views from the James Webb Space Telescope, what they are, and what we might expect in the future. And to walk us through that, we have Lawrence M. Krauss joining us now. He is a theoretical physicist. He is an author. He's the president of the Origins Project Foundation and the host of the Origins podcast. His newest book coming out next year is The Known Unknowns, The Unsolved Mysteries of the Cosmos. Uh, Mr. Krause, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Uh, no problem. Happy to be with you, finally. Yeah, yeah. Now, these pictures, of course, they've made headlines all around the world. Uh, the president introducing the first ever picture, everyone else gasping at what they're seeing, but... Uh, what I mean, they're beautiful and they're they're amazing to look at. But I think for a lot of us, it's kind of like, okay, um, like what are we seeing? How important is it to understand what it is that we're seeing, not just how pretty they are? Well, look, I mean, it's not going to produce a better toaster or a faster car, but it it will help us answer questions that I think everyone's had. Like, are we alone in the universe? How did we get here? Yeah, and and, and really the fundamental questions that all of us ask. Because what James Webb is designed to do is two things. I mean, it primarily has two missions. One is it's going to look farther than any telescope has ever looked to try and see the very first structures that formed in the universe within, a, say, 100 million years or so after the Big Bang, the first stars, the first galaxies. We'd like to know how, what, what was the process by which our galaxies formed and uh, try to understand our own galaxy, which is really relevant to understand eventually the formation of stars and our own Earth and our existence. So there are, there are also chicken and egg sort of uncertainties. We see in the center of every galaxy, including our own, or at least the center of almost every galaxy, a, a supermassive black hole. Now, the question is, did the black holes form first and the galaxies coalesce around them? Right. Or, did, or, or did it happen that the galaxies were there and stars died and collided and eventually formed a black hole? We don't have the answer to that, but we're going to look be able to book, as I say, this telescope is designed to look at what's called infrared radiation, because which we can't see from the surface of the Earth, because the, the, the you know, atmosphere absorbs it for the most part. But more importantly, objects that are very far away at the other edge of the universe, basically, uh, are moving away from us very fast. And, we, and, and the laws of physics say that the light from those objects is stretched out. And so the visible light from stars gets stretched into the infrared range. Right. And that's why this has been designed to be able to look so far away. But the other really neat thing about being able to measure infrared radiation is you can look at the radiation being emitted or absorbed by the atmospheres of planets around other stars. And in fact, one of the, one of the images that was shown was exactly that, what's called the spectrum of radiation absorbed by that it was a it was a Jupiter-sized planet very near its star, and what you could see was water vapor in the atmosphere. What they're eventually going to hopefully do is be able to look at enough planets to be able to look for what we would call biosignatures to see if there's evidence. For example, on Earth, the oxygen on Earth came from life. There was no free oxygen in the atmosphere on Earth. Life 
produced it with little breaths over billions of years. And so that alone wouldn't be the smoking gun. But if we saw oxygen in the atmosphere, we might look for other signs of life. And we might be able to answer that fundamental question, is there life elsewhere in the universe? So those are two of the known missions and two of right. the images that were, 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 were released related to those two things, looking farther than we've ever looked before, or as, as you'd say in Star Trek, boldly going where no one has ever gone before, and, uh, and also looking for life elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, the other the, images were pretty, basically. Exactly, they, they, they are. They're incredible to look at. But I was wondering, like you say, I mean, the pictures were chosen for a reason. There was a reason that they were presented, you know, in the order that they were presented and why they were the first one. Why do you think it was that, I call it the wide shot, sort of the establishing yeah. shot where you can see all of these galaxies? Um, it's mind-boggling. It really, trying to comprehend what you're looking at is very difficult to do. Yeah, it is, When you, especially when you realize that, first of all, that image of, that every except for the six stars, which you can sort of see because yeah. they have those, those the octagonal tower patterns around them, um, every dot in that in that image is a galaxy. Each galaxy contains hun- billions or hundreds of billions of stars. There are thousands of galaxies in that image, and the amazing thing about that image is it's it, it, the, the region it encompasses on the sky is only about the size of a grain of sand if you held it at arm's length. That's namely when you look at any dark spot in the sky at night. If you, I happen to live in the country and I can look up and see the dark skies. And if I look out and if in any given dark spot in the sky, well, if you took a, 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 a made a hole with your with your hands and made about the say, size of a Canadian dime, in that region, if you can look far enough with telescopes as you can now with the, with that telescope, you'd see between a hundred thousand and a million galaxies. It's just, oh it is really mind-boggling, and it's hard to comprehend, And but the universe, but that's what's great about the universe. It's, yeah. um, it, it's hard to comprehend, but we try, and that pushes the limits of our imagination, and as a scientist, that's what it's all about. As a scientist, like you say, uh, the one picture, I can't remember what they call it, it's, it's the birth of a star. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. it's, it's absolutely yeah. dazzling. I have no idea what I'm looking at. Do you? I mean, explain to me how that shows the birth of a star. Well, what, what, there, what, there's two images. One you're seeing is the death of a star, actually. The one with the rings around it is yeah. what a star does when it's dying. It expels matter at a huge rate, and that matter smashes into the interstellar medium and causes it to light up. And that's why you see the sort of rings about it. For thousands of years, that matter has been, been, been moving away. But there's another, that, that other beautiful region, uh, the Carina Nebula, I think, it, it, where you see basically what looked like cliffs of yes, gas. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a region that's been cleared out, and, 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 and that's related to the birth of stars, because in the early stages of star formation, including our sun, the, the, our sun was actually, during that period of forming, the sun is actually something like 10,000 times brighter, and there's X-rays being emitted. It's a very turbulent time. And what that does is it, that energy expels all the gas in the region around it. And that, except for the material that's, that's gravitationally bound to it, which eventually form a solar system. And what you can see, that blue region is the region where the gas has been expelled and pushed away. And that's why it looks like it's piled up into cliffs on the other side. And, and, you, know, and you know what? You may, people may say, big deal. What's yeah. this got to do with me? And the answer is, and this to me is the most poetic thing uh, about the universe, every atom in your body, essentially, came from a star that exploded. Because in the Big Bang, only hydrogen, helium, and a little bit of lithium were created, but the carbon, the nitrogen, the oxygen, the iron, all the stuff that's not relevant for us to be alive, was created in the fiery cores in the inside of stars. And the only way it could get into your body 
now is if stars exploded and released it. And there, there may be atoms in your left hand that came from different stars than your right hand. So you're, you're really stardust. And looking at the birth and death of stars is really relevant because it's really the material that ultimately led to your own existence. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, incredible. Going forward, I mean, we're just at the start. Uh, what do you expect to see? I mean, we're told that we're going to get answers to some of the great questions of humanity, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, how high are your expectations for the James Webb Telescope? Well, as I, as I, uh, I wrote a piece recently, I'm, my, my feeling always is every time we open a new window on the universe, we're surprised. Yeah. And so, yeah, I know what the James Webb Telescope is designed to look for, but I expect that the most interesting things will be the things that I haven't even thought about yet. And that's, that's what's happened every time we've done that. And so I, I anticipate being surprised. In fact, generally, that's what I love about science. Every day I'm surprised if I'm not surprised. Yeah. And uh, so, one we'll of the guys from NASA was saying, we're going to answer questions. We haven't even thought of the questions yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that, I mean, but that's, what, that's why we have to keep looking out, because the imagination of the universe is greater than the human imagination. If we stop looking, we'll, we, you know, we'll, we'll stop coming up with with new ideas and new understanding it's really looking at the universe that forces our mind to go in different directions yeah and uh, so 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 i'm anticipating i hope i hope i'll be surprised and even if i'm not in the near term even answering those two questions about is there life elsewhere in the universe and how do we get there that'll be pretty good yeah (laughs) (laughs) we can live with that uh lawrence thank you so much for your time i really really appreciate it Sure, no worries. Thanks. That is Lawrence Krauss, who is a theoretical physicist and author and president of the Origins Project Foundation. As I said, he hosts a podcast called The Origins, and uh, he's got a pretty good handle on this stuff. It's like he says, part of the fun of this is uh, the fact that it's so hard to understand. That's what makes it cool, I think, because you can sort of just try and you you can feel your mind get twisted.